What a weekend that was. The NFL was outstanding. Uh, some dramatic games on Saturday that uh, weren't played at a really high level, but they had great finishes. And then we had incredible games on Sunday. And the Sunday night game, an all-timer. Kansas City and Buffalo, are you kidding me? Unbelievable game. Just outstanding. So we'll talk about the NFL. we got conference championships on the line this weekend with Cincinnati at Kansas City and San Francisco and the Rams. The 49ers are a little bit beat up even after that win at Lambeau Saturday night. But uh, they have had their way with the Rams this season. So we'll talk about all the NFL stuff coming up here in a little hey, bit. Uh, hey, Mike, let's not, let's not bury the lead here. Which Oklahoma is? just got a commitment from their 2023 quarterback. Yeah. And that would be? Jackson Arnold out of Denton Guy. There we go. Uh, One Jackson commits, and they're still waiting another Jackson. I know. Hopefully it's not the last Jackson this week for the Sooners. Just coming down. Uh, So tell us about uh, the Sooners' new commitment. Yeah, so Jackson Arnold, number 72 player in the 2022 or 2023 class, excuse me, out of Denton Geyer High School. Took a visit last weekend, and it became pretty clear in the aftermath of that visit that Oklahoma was in the driver's seat for Arnold and that this thing could get done sooner rather than later. And today, he is officially a Sooner. That came across the wire about five minutes ago. Very good. Very good. um, In terms of a replacement for Malachi Nelson, who was obviously committed to the Sooners for over four months until Lincoln Riley. Mule shoe. I'm sorry, I'll neck myself left the scene. So, you look at Arnold's offer list, Mike, it's really impressive. Alabama, Notre Dame, I mean, every school in the country wanted a guy like him who's mobile from the pocket, has an outstanding arm, and is a gamer. And I feel like we've compared a lot of these quarterbacks that Oklahoma has brought in, or is on the verge of bringing in, to Baker Mayfield. But (laughs) there's a legitimate comparison there between Arnold and Baker. It's kind of weird that... To th- to think that Gabriel, people regard as a left-handed Baker Mayfield. I mean, I made the comparison a year and a half ago that Jackson Dart looked like a young Baker Mayfield in the making. And now here we are having the exact same conversation about Jackson Arnold. So we talk about OU, o- OU DNA running deep with this new regime in town. Clearly, Oklahoma's adopting the Baker Mayfield model at the quarterback position. The only difference is Jackson Arnold's not a walk-on. He's a kid that everybody in the nation wants to play quarterback for their program, and Oklahoma just locked him down. All right, so uh, will that in any way affect what's going on with Jackson Darts? No, it will not. Okay, good. So 2022, you get Nick Evers, and uh, 2023, uh, you get Jackson Arnold. So uh, the Sooners uh, already have Dylan Gabriel in the fold, obviously, through the transfer portal. So all of a sudden, uh, the quarterback room is looking uh, stronger for the Sooners. And it was a big recruiting weekend for OU. What do you know? What can you tell us about visits? And uh, we've got two locks out there. Two locks. Obviously, I can't disclose who those two locks are. Uh, For those of you that are VIP subscribers over on OUinsider.com and the 24-7 Sports Network, we have uh, done a little bit of hinting at who they might be. But, Mike, you can kind of figure this one out for yourself. It shouldn't be too difficult to do. Six official visitors, two of them were Gentry Williams and Jaden Rowe. Obviously, Gentry is committed. Jaden Rowe is already signed with OU. The other visitors were four-star defensive lineman Grayson Halton, who is currently committed to Oregon, and three-star defensive back Jamarian Burt, who was committed to Florida but has since decommitted. 
And then you have the Cardinal Gibbons teammates out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Four-star edge rusher R. Mason Thomas and three-star defensive lineman Ahmad Moten. So the consensus expectation has been that Thomas and Moten are going to play together. So you kind of through the process of elimination here, Mike, it's not difficult to glean that the two locks are either Thomas and Moten or they're Halton and Burt. And either so there way, go. they're good. They're either good. way, good news for Oklahoma. Two great no doubt. gets. All right. Uh, so old Mule Shoe was busy over the weekend. Uh, SC got Travis Dye, the running back from Oregon. We talked about that on Friday, and they got uh, two others through the portal: uh, linebacker from Bama and the linebacker from Auburn over the weekend. So Mule Shoe, I think that gets them to like number sixty in the country with this class, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if that figure doesn't figure in the portal doesn't figure in though the rankings. They though, do right? have the number two transfer class right now. They have twelve transfers incoming. Shane Lee was the Bama linebacker. Who was the uh, the kid from Auburn? Romello. Um, Romello Height. Yeah, Romello Height. That's right. Yeah, the uh, linebacker coming in from Auburn. So uh, you know that Mule Shoe, the portal. Uh, you know you've got um, you know fifty percent weasels in the portal, and Mule Shoe is a weasel. So weasels attract weasels. Now, of course, the Oklahoma kids that OU's getting through the portal—they're good, solid kids, right? I mean, come on. Especially if Jackson Dart and Michael oh, Trigg the are best, the, uh, the, the final act. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Caleb Williams, uh, you saw the pictures over the weekend. The vehicle's gone. Is I don't know. Did he take his PlayStation or whatever gaming system he has? Is everything gone? Do we know that for sure? <laughs> uh, who knows at this point, Mike? He's not coming back. He's not. He's not coming back. If he didn't move out all his stuff. He's going to eventually because Caleb Williams is not going to be a Sooner in 2022. So, and, I, you know, I think OU fans are, again, they're over it. They're over it. Now, their anger directed at the guy out in SoCal is not going to change anytime soon, if ever. But on uh, on Caleb Williams, they're just kind of tired of it. It's, it's part of this. I think the OU fans are – of the mindset, you know what? If you have to think about staying at the University of Oklahoma after all the adulation you've got, just go. Just go. Yeah. You know? Well, and especially three weeks later, it's been three weeks to the day yeah. since Caleb Williams entered the portal. And we've been in a holding pattern for one week, Mike, on Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg. That kind of makes you wonder are those related? Is Caleb Williams' process in the transfer portal related to Jackson Dart's? Is there maybe a chance that Jackson Dart could return to USC and he's simply waiting on Caleb Williams to make a decision? I don't know. There is so much that is unclear right now, and it has been all quiet on the Western Front with both of those guys over the last week or so. And so it's very difficult to try and figure out what exactly is happening. You know, and nothing surprises me anymore about all of this stuff because we had Jackson Dart down to Oklahoma and Ole Miss, right? And then, well, wait, oh, really? Oh, yeah, BYU. BYU's jumping in here. And would it completely shock me if he went to Southern Cal? Yes. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm just telling you, I wouldn't be – totally flabbergasted by anything now just because of the way it's been going by the way this guy this guy visited the OU basketball game on a Saturday we're talking about the one and only 
Brent Venables, and here's what the Sooner head coach had to say to the crowd at the LNC. Our goal and our vision for our program is to be the model program in all of college football. Standing for integrity, for class, and for toughness. As you all know, we've been the most consistent program in college football since 1999. the one and only program in college football when it comes to winning. Oh, Brent, the crowd loves Brent Venables. That dude can work a microphone, too, man. He, like, holds it out for the crowd noise and everything. He's got it down. He's got it down pat. And I like, what was that about integrity, character, and class, something like that, something that the uh, Mule Shoe administration lacked, of course, particularly at the end when uh, it was an absolute uh, uh, lie, of course. But... uh, what did you think of how the crowd responded? And Brent, again, Brent can say almost anything now, and the crowd's going to go nuts. That's, that's what I'm telling you. Jimmy Greenbeans knows how to work a crowd. And the fortunate part about the gig is that at Oklahoma, he doesn't really have to, right? He can stand up there and babble. And mm-hmm. those fans are going to be salivating over the future of this Oklahoma football program. But for him to step out there and encourage everybody the way that he did and say, look, I'm a jag I had to walk on at Kansas State. He said he had to crawl on. He said he could crawl on. There you <laughs> yeah. go. But for me to be the head football coach at Oklahoma, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, this is a blessing and we're going to do this the right way. He's very humble. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I love the, you know, I was a crawl on. I thought that was a great line. And I like the staff that he's put together. And they're bringing in a lot, you know, they're bringing in a lot of uh analysts and uh you know special teams i love what they're doing on special teams you see what special teams did to the green bay packers it destroyed their season saturday night they've been the worst special team uh unit in the nfl all year long and it came back blew up in their face saturday night you gotta have all three phases of the game down to win mike turnovers and special teams can get you beat even if you are the superior team and i still think the packers were but that wasn't how about on the game-winning field goal you saw the still shot uh, that Robbie Gold had. They had ten guys on ten the field. Ten guys on the field. Unbelievable. And this is the NFL. This isn't like Alcott's, you know, middle school or whatever or elementary. This is the National Football League. Hard to believe. All right, uh, before we go to break, Jackson Dart, what are you thinking right now? I know you've been confident on Oklahoma, and you've been up in like the 60, 65 percentile range. Are you still there? Is it going down a little bit? I would say it's gone down just because we're still waiting. Yeah, and just by virtue of the fact we're still waiting, that seems to that doesn't seem to bode well for Oklahoma's chances. Honestly, Mike, I think the longer this drags out, the better it looks for BYU. I know I said this last week, and that's not to say he doesn't ultimately end up at Oklahoma or Ole Miss, but as we continue to wait and wait and wait, well, there are actually two programs that lo- this looks good for BYU and USC, <laughs> because at this point, like I said. It's not necessarily fact that Jackson Dart is waiting on Caleb Williams to pull the trigger, but you have to wonder, why else is it Monday, January 24th, and Jackson Dart still hasn't committed? So maybe there is an inkling of a chance, 
that he ends up back at Uf- USC if Caleb Williams goes to UCLA or Wisconsin. How about that? Somewhere. How about that if we got all the way through this process? And I, I don't think it's going to happen. I still think we'll see uh, Muleshoe get Caleb Williams and Jackson Dart. I'm still thinking Ole Miss, but you may be riding the money with BYU. But how about if we got Jackson Dart wearing an SC uniform and Caleb Williams in a UCLA uniform next year playing in that game? <laughs> crazy. The absolutely almost crazy. sooner bowl. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're underway here on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Thank you, Tim Lasher, and your great company for sponsoring our first hour. Steelman and Thune here on the Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans on a Monday. Let's talk about that crazy weekend. A great weekend in the National Football League. We'll get to that when we get back. What a crazy night it was last night in the National Football League. What a great weekend it was. Starting on Saturday, the Bengals went to the road at Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill, three picks. Not good. Bengals win on the last second field goal. The 49ers win at Lambeau Saturday night thanks to their special teams block field goal. Uh, then the uh, block punt for the touchdown and then the game-winning field goal by Robbie Gold to get it done. Packers again. Uh, Special teams came back to haunt them. Then you had uh, the Rams in Tampa Bay. The early game on Sunday with uh, the Rams up 27-3 midway through the third quarter. The Brady Bunch comes back. But the Rams, how does Cooper Cup get that wide open late in the game? Crazy. The Rams, who were dominating, again, the first two and a half quarters, hang on and win the game 30-27. Then you had the unbelievable game last night at Arrowhead. Maybe the greatest playoff game of all time. I, you know, I'm old enough to remember some great ones. The, uh, the Dolphins and uh, the Chargers back in the day. Incredible game uh, back then. But Kansas City wins 42-36. And you're thinking about... <laughs> The last two minutes of that game, Parker. Four uh, scoring drives. Oh, my gosh. Josh Allen, touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis. Uh, I thought it was over when, with just over a minute left, Tyree Kill got loose on a 65-yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City led 33-29. You're thinking, well, you know, the Bengals, they're going to have to score a TD, or the uh, Bills are going to have to score a TD. They can't do it with a field goal. Then Josh Allen comes back to Gabriel Davis, who had an unbelievable Four-touchdown grab night, former UCF night. Uh, Buffalo takes the lead, and then in 13 seconds, man, there it is. Patrick Mahomes, a couple passes. Harrison Butker with the field goal to tie it up, and then Travis Kelsey with the touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes to win the game. Okay, couple things here. First, as a diehard Bucks fan, I'd rather not talk about that game. Secondly... With regard to the NFL's overtime rules, I mean, this became the biggest conversation on social media last night. Look, I'm very much of the opinion that there are two sides. There are two sides of the football, right? You got to play offense. You got to play defense. You got to be capable on both sides in order to win football games and win championships. So, I'm I I actually don't have a huge problem with sudden death, Mike. But I think if you're going to do sudden death, you got to make it legit sudden death, not this stupid, well, if they kick a field goal, the other team gets a possession. But if they score a touchdown, then, it, then it's just it's over. It's messed up. Now, I will say, I think the far better solution is either to just play an entire quarter, 15 minutes of football, and whoever's ahead after that 15 minutes wins the football game, or at the very least, guarantee both teams a possession. Because the fact that Josh Allen did what he did – 
particularly in the fourth quarter of that football game, to lead the Bills back and then never got to touch the ball in the overtime period, that's a travesty. It is. And it's even more of a travesty that one of the greatest games in NFL history, Mike, I don't think that's hyperbolic. No, That was not one at of the all. greatest games in NFL history. It had to end with one guy never getting to see the field well, in the extra period. I agree, and look, I know this is low-hanging fruit. It's easy to say, well, change the playoff, uh, the way it, the overtime and the playoffs as opposed to the regular season, whatever, but they need to change it because – you know, that was it was a great ending for Chiefs fans. It was a horrible ending for Bills fans, like, you know, Jerry Ostrowski, who had a great career in Buffalo, up in Tulsa, TU legend. Uh, it was a horrible way to see that finish. And I totally, I, I get the argument, you know, make a stop on the Chiefs when there's only 13 seconds left. You don't even have to worry about it. Uh, or make a stop when they get the ball in overtime. I get that, but I just think we had – one of the greatest games we've had in the history of the National Football League. And, again, to see Josh Allen get one more chance, it's just bettering their product again. And the NFL is already the most popular product in the sporting universe. And, really, it's not that close. As much as we love college football, and a lot of people love college football, it's still not in the same ballpark with the NFL. But why not change that and make it even better? So, ironically, it was the Chiefs who voted to change – you know, the way they do overtime a few years ago, and it came back. Again, it was voted down. Uh, the Chiefs benefited last night. When it kind of comes down to a coin toss, and look, again, play some defense. Particularly, you should win that game with 13 seconds left. You should, and here's, and the, thing. here's the thing. Squib kick or something. I know you OU fans don't want to hear that because the Georgia Rose Bowl game, but have the Chiefs take some more time off the clock on a kickoff return. No, 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 no Mike. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. First off, Mad props to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs for being able to string together 44 yards in 10 seconds. Amazing. The the Chiefs did in 13 seconds what Dak Prescott and the Cowboys couldn't do in 14. That was amazing. And they had to go about 40 yards further. Um, Here's what you do in that situation, Mike. If I'm Leslie Frazier, the Bills defensive coordinator, here's what I'm doing. I'm rushing three. I'm leaving three high safeties to make sure I don't get beat deep, and then I am holding every single receiver at the line of scrimmage. I am intentionally holding everybody because at the end of the day, the five-yard penalty isn't going to hurt you. It'll run six or seven seconds off the clock, and the Chiefs don't get in position to try that field goal. If you just hold everybody at the line of scrimmage and cut your losses, then you're never in that position at the end of the game no, where you're you give right. yeah. Harrison Bucker a chance to tie that game up. So that would have been the smart play. I Again, again, it's really easy to say that now as opposed to in the heat of the moment, and I understand it's not as easy to make that call when you have a stadium full of 90,000 screaming fans all around you and you're riding the euphoric high of Josh Allen's touchdown pass with 13 seconds to play. But still, really anything would have been better than what the Bills did, which mm-hmm. is immediately – give Tyreek Hill an easy 20 yards because they had nobody remotely close to the line of scrimmage and then leave Travis Kelsey wide open down the seam. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Speaking of Tyreek Hill, the cheetah got loose. He had that big uh, 65-yard reception for the touchdown with just over a minute left, flashed the peace sign around the 15-yard line. Nobody but nobody is catching that guy. Maybe Usain Bolt if he put on pads. That's about it. Here is Tyreek after the game, pretty pumped, obviously, afterwards. Shout out to this whole organization. Shout out to the fan base, man. 
this everyone, man, who supported us, even who doubted us, man, because there was times this year, you know, we felt like we was and we had to like, you know, we had to get back to what we was doing. You know, being humble, being grounded, you know, hold, holding each other accountable and playing for one another, another man. So, like I said, man, I'm just proud to be a part of this team, man. Go Chiefs, baby. There you go. So, uh, 2 p.m. Sunday at Arrowhead, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals go play the Chiefs. Remember that uh, Cincinnati beat Kansas City back on January 2nd at uh, Cincinnati, and uh, the Chiefs are a seven-point favorite in this matchup against Joe Burrow and the Bengals coming up on Sunday. The late game, the Rams at SoFi hosting the 49ers. The Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, the Rams lost to San Francisco twice during the regular season, 31-10 to in the first meeting, and then in overtime, 27-24, to that great comeback by San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco is not in the playoffs if they don't make that comeback. A- absolutely, and I know the 49ers are really beat up right now, but, man, there's a little something special going on. Uh, you know, George Kittle had a big drop. How about this? The 49ers didn't complete their first pass of the game until six minutes left in the second quarter. And uh, Jimmy G didn't have a great game, but they were good enough defensively, and the special teams imploded on the Packers, uh, you know, right before the half with a blocked field goal on Mason Crosby, and then, of course, the uh, blocked punt for the touchdown, uh, and that won the game for the 49ers, 13-10. to Also... Debo Samuel might be the second most valuable offensive weapon in the NFL behind Tyreek Hill. Well, I guess you got to throw Cooper Cup into that conversation as well. But in terms of like a true slash guy, a guy that you can line up anywhere and just give the ball mm-hmm. to, Tyreek Hill is the only guy that is more of a mismatch in the open field than Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel's had an amazing year, and uh, the 49ers will have their shot at the Rams coming up Sunday, 5.30 on Fox. Now, as for Tom Brady, this may be it. It might be it for Aaron yeah, Rodgers no. and Tom Brady. No, this is not it for Tom Brady, Mike. You don't think so? You, you think Tom Brady is going to finish out his illustrious NFL career like that? One more year on his deal in Tampa. No, no more years. He's an unrestricted free agent. I thought it was one year left. No, it was a two-year contract that he signed with With Tampa like Bay. an option or so? Okay. If, if there is an option, well, I guess I'll look back at the details, but I was under the impression he was about to be an unrestricted free agent. We'll have to Google ahead and Google it up. But, uh, you know, there's a chance that we saw those guys. And it's hard to imagine that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady would both go out, you know, without any kind of Ben Roethlisberger treatment, you know, like he got – um, you know, in Pittsburgh, certainly in his last uh, regular season game there at Heinz Field. But uh, here is Tom Brady. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, we think he can win every Super Bowl, but you you just you can't win every Super Bowl. Here is TB12 afterwards. One team, one year, and then it's never the same after that. And You, you know, you got to work hard to put yourself in a position to be successful. And you certainly worked hard. And, uh, you know, every team at this point does. And every team is really qualified when you get to the – to the final eight, then the final four, then the final two, and it doesn't feel good to lose any one of those games, and I've lost uh, each of those stages. So at the end, there's only one team that's going to be happy. Uh, it feels good to move on when you move on, and obviously when you don't. Uh, you know, whether it was last week or this week or next week or the week after, two weeks after that, if you're the loser in that game at all, uh, it all sucks to lose in the end. Okay, clarification. Okay. His initial contract was two years. The Buccaneers extended him another year okay. in March. I, I thought so he there had one year left. Yes, he so, has one more year. So, um, you know, percentage chance we one of those two guys calls it a career. Aaron Rodgers said, "I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna do the rebuild thing." 
And, you know, we thought for a while that Aaron Rodgers was going to go to Denver during uh, the previous offseason. Who knows? You know, maybe he could go to a contender. The Browns look a lot different if they have Aaron Rodgers, right? Somebody, any, any team does. But uh, you think both those guys will be back? I do think both of those guys will be back. I find it hard to believe that Brady is going to ride off into the sunset like that. And I think Aaron Rodgers probably feels like he has a bit of unfinished business, too. And I don't know if he's back in Green Bay next year, Mike. I think he could head elsewhere. It could happen. It could happen. Yeah, they've got a lot of guys they've got to get signed, including Devontae Adams. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, overall, a great weekend of NFL football. I I can't remember a better one. And look, I'm not sitting here and telling you the uh, 49ers-Packers was a masterpiece or the Bengals and the Titans. And even the Rams in Tampa Bay. I mean, the the Rams fumbled four times. And, uh, you know, but exciting finishes. The Bills in Kansas City was a masterpiece. There is no doubt about that. All right, we'll break right here, and I'll tell you this. The Sooner basketball team, they need a masterpiece in Morgantown is what they need. They need to get back on track. Baylor came to town. The Sooners, you know, made a couple runs where it looked like, yeah, maybe Oklahoma can win this thing, and then Baylor said no. We'll talk about that here from Porter Moser coming up next here on The Ref. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sooners. Fall short to Baylor over the weekend. Uh, Porter Moser and company in the midst of a four-game losing streak now, 12-7 and seven overall. 2-5 and five in the league. They have West Virginia on the road coming up Wednesday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. And then they'll take on the Auburn Tigers, the new number one team in the country. Auburn at number one for the first time in their history of the uh, AP men's basketball poll. Led by uh, likely number one uh, overall pick, Jabari Smith. And Auburn will host the Sooners Saturday, 1 o'clock there in Auburn, Alabama. But, uh, man, 25 turnovers, Parker Thune, was was the undoing of the Sooners on Saturday. Oh, Mike, it has gotten ugly. Eight it has gotten ugly. Eight turnovers before they made a, a field goal in the game. I mean, and you know the thing, the thing we were so impressed with for the longest time, right, was this team's discipline, and the discipline completely went out the window on Saturday. And I know that the prevailing conversation in the aftermath of that game became the flying knee from Matthew Meyer, right, and what was honestly a pretty ticky tack technical call on Tanner Groves. So I was, I was down there on the floor shooting the game. Right, Mike, and I heard exactly what Tanner Groves said to the official before he got that tech. All the dude said was, he hit me in the face, man. That's all Tanner Groves said. That was it? That was it. Oh, that is weak. And he got teed up for that after taking a flying knee to the side of the head. So, things kind of unraveled from there, and that can't happen. Look, I understand it was probably not the right call to either acquit Matthew Meyer with regard to that whole collision and to uh, hand Tanner Groves a technical foul. But still, the Sooners needed to maintain that momentum right there and not allow that to sink the ship, and they failed miserably. That was a 45-42 basketball game. Yeah, they were right there, and the crowd was into the game. Uh, You know, the bottom line is we've talked about this in in this losing streak is the Sooners have some good basketball players, but they're not on the same level talent-wise with Baylor or Kansas. They won't be with Auburn. Their margin of error, they've got to win with defense, taking care of the basketball, rebounding, 
all the fundamental things to hang in the game. And then you, you hope Mo Gibson or Tanner Groves or Elijah Harkless or Bijan Robinson or Bijan Cortez. Bijan Robinson. Hold up, Bijan Cortez has a game, you know, like he had that stretch against Iowa State. Uh, the margin of error is just too small for Oklahoma, you know, and you, there's no way you're going to beat a team the quality of Baylor turning it over 25 times. No, I mean, there's just absolutely no way. not. And, and they they got to have somebody step up and be a scorer. And I know we talked about it last week. If Tanner Groves isn't going to score, Emoji Gibson got to be putting up more shots than he is, or Elijah Harkless has got to be doing more than he is. How about that step back side. by Mo? Pretty impressive. And when Mo wants to, he can go and get it. He can. It's just you don't you don't see that more than once or twice a game. Yeah, maybe you know I, I'm sure the the offense Porter Moser's offense is pretty structured, but uh, you know he he created the space with that step back uh, jumper the other night, and he's got Mo Gibson is a a really explosive offensive player, and uh, you know he's a little bit hot and cold, but it, look Steph Curry's in a major shooting slump right now, but Mo Gibson led the way with 13, Elijah Harkless 12, Tanner Groves had 11, but again 25 turnovers undid Oklahoma in this game. Now the question is, you go to Morgantown. Uh, you know, where West Virginia, the Sooners have won there, but it's never been easy to go there and win. And then you have to play, again, the new number one team in the country, the Auburn Tigers, first time they've ever been number one in the AP Men's Bowl Saturday in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So, Porter Moser, how do you go about keeping a positive outlook right now with this basketball team? It starts at the top with me. It literally starts at the top with me. I mean, for me to come in every day fighting, clawing, uh, being prepared, you know, um, being prepared for practice, being prepared to, to beat West Virginia. But there's also a big part of getting better and consistent. So, like, I think we did some really good things, We're, you know, but it starts with me. There's no, there's going to be no quit in this team to fight. We're searching. We're searching. We'll find it. We'll get better. Man. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, you're just taking like, like I said, this this is the the Big Twelve this year is the heavyweight division in its time in its prime when you had Ollie and Ken Norton and you know uh, Joe Frazier and all those great fighters, George Foreman at once, and that's they're just taking a lot of lumps in a really good league. Well, it's going to be a seven or eight bid league when it's all said and done, Mike. Now the question is, is Oklahoma going to be one of those bids and if you don't reverse the trend in a hurry, then <laughs> I don't know if I like OU's odds. They got to get this win in Morgantown because if they don't, look, I, I'm i sorry. I will be astonished, utterly astonished, if they go to Auburn this weekend and win that basketball game on the road with two guys in Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler that are just an absolute mismatch for anyone on Oklahoma's roster. Yeah, number one you, overall pick could be with Smith, and uh, Walker's got a great future at the next level, too. From a fan's perspective, you have to look at that as another loss. If Oklahoma pulls that off, incredible. Fantastic. Don't count on it, and don't bet any money on it. So, if you don't win at West Virginia, Mike, that is a six-game losing streak. That now puts you at twelve and nine, and you're going to be last place in the Big Twelve at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's really tough, and I love the Porter Moser hire. I, I think he's going to end up doing a great job at Oklahoma, well, and they, they've been good at times this year. Um, but 
you know, you're in the best league in the country and you're in your first season. And again, you have a good roster, but you do not have the roster of some of the heavyweights in this league, particularly if you don't play at a really high level. Even at home, you know, against Baylor, you turn it over 25 times, you have no shot. Man, the thing about it, too, is that this team gets so agonizingly close. It, they, it, it's not as if we watch this Oklahoma team waltz out of the locker room completely flat and get trounced. That happens. That's happened once this season, and it was at Texas. That is the only game where the Sooners have just been soundly beaten. They've been absolutely fighting, grinding to stay in every other game, oftentimes until very, very late. They were hanging with Baylor for 38 minutes when they met him in the Farrell Center, they hung in this game for about 35. So it's not as if they don't have the firepower. It's not as if they don't have the talent to go toe-to-toe with these teams. It's just like they don't have enough to push them over the top is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. They've got enough to hang. They don't have enough to win to go and get it done in crunch time. And you need that guy with that killer instinct, that mamba mentality, as it were. Who's that guy for Oklahoma? Who's it going to be? Because you're going to need him down the stretch in Big 12 play, and you're certainly going to need him in the tournament. It's one of three, I think. It's Mo Gibson, uh, Tanner Groves, or Elijah Harkless. And uh, maybe they can kind of alternate. And they've all had their moments. But, again, uh, that margin of error for Oklahoma is just not uh, big enough, uh, you know, to give the other team the ball 25 times, uh, particularly a team, the quality of Baylor. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we go to break, Riverwind Casino, it is a Monday. Get out there and play with your wild card and take part in the $80,000 Rockin' and Reelin' promotion on Friday night. They have a drawing from 6 until midnight uh, where they are going to call out a bunch of patrons' names and they will go up there and they'll be very excited, man, because they're going to win their share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. But if you play with your wild card today, get some points on your wild card, you can earn five times the entries up until uh, tomorrow at midnight. Monday and Tuesday, earn five times the entries for this big promotional uh, drawing on Friday night, the $80,000 Rockin' and Reelin' promotional giveaway at Riverwind Casino. They always have the best promotions, best dining, best bars, best service, best hotel, best concerts. That's why Riverwind is simply the best. All right, we'll break right here. Come back, get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line next, 405-651-3439. It's Monday here on The Ref. Uh, That still hits all these years later. Appetite for destruction. Welcome to the jungle. How are we doing on this Monday? It was a walk-off weekend in the National Football League. Great game Saturday, great game Sunday, maybe the best game ever Sunday night. Kansas City and Buffalo, unless you're a Bills fan. Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Thanks to uh, Tim Lasher, his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour Here on The Ref, Air Comfort Solutions text line, always available to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We're going there in one second. Uh, Recruiting news today, Jackson Arnold, 2023 quarterback from Denton Geyer, uh, has committed to the University of Oklahoma. How big of a pickup is that for the Sooners? Big time, and obviously Arnold is a very talented player, top 100 overall in the 2023 cycle, but 
it's even bigger, Mike, for a couple of additional reasons. One, I probably won't have to cover Arch Madness. Mm-hmm. And two, you get your quarterback on board early. He will help recruit the rest of the class, and players, particularly at offensive skill positions, will gravitate towards him. So getting a guy like Arnold committed in January as opposed to September, October, that's big time for Oklahoma because it's going to help their recruiting efforts at other positions, simply to have a quarterback to build around. Back-to-back Texans uh, at quarterback for the Sooners in 2022 with Nick Evers, yeah, right? And that? now with uh, with Jackson Arnold from Denton Geyer uh, committing uh, about a little over – actually, it was about an hour ago. Noon. So right before we came on. So uh, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line while we have a few minutes left here in our final segment of Hour 1. What do we have, Parker? Did someone stick a GPS tracking device on that trailer carting Caleb Williams' gear out of Norman? They should have, right? I mean, should have had a good PI looking into that deal. Yeah, the espionage was not strong. I don't, should have been more proactive with I that. I don't know how much that the Sooner fan base cares right now, <laughs> right? Which is crazy to say, but I really think that's where they are. Mm-hmm. OU basketball, says one of our Lawton area listeners, OU basketball having the Nebraska football kind of season. In them all, just can't get over the hump. Yeah, that's a good comparison. That is a good comparison. Excellent. How many Big 12 players are on and contribute to the Chiefs? Wow, there are a lot. Yeah, I mean, you just think of uh, Okay, you uh, got Patrick Mahomes. mm -hmm. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Byron Pringle from Mm -hmm. Kansas State. Blake Bell, Creed Humphrey, uh, Orlando Brown, James Winchester for OU. Wow. James Winchester. Man, if long snapping. I would teach my kid how to be a long snapper. Because you could you could long snap forever. He could be ninety five years old out there long snapping. Who knows? Well, he probably wouldn't be able to get down the field on punt coverage as easily as he once could. But uh, if he's got a good solid walker, you know, he might be able to, <laughs> right? But no, I mean that's the reason you see long snappers play into their forties yeah, sometimes. That's right. Yeah. Because hey, as long as as long as your job is that specialized and you can do it and do it well, teams are rarely, if ever, going to make a change. That's the other thing is that. Long snappers that latch on with one team generally stay with that team for a long, yeah, they long do. time. No doubt. Uh, so other local connections for the 49ers, obviously we've got Trent Williams and uh, George Kittle because he's from Norman High School. What an amazing story George Kittle is again. Uh, for the Bengals, Joe Mixon, Samaje Perrine, Samaje P. Ryan, Jordan Evans. Uh, Obo made a couple plays for the Rams. That he did. Yeah, and Bobby Evans is still there with the, uh, with the Rams. And, of course, we talked about Kansas City with uh, Blake Bell, Creed Humphrey, uh, Orlando Brown, and James Winchester. And, of course, Tyree Kill, obviously, uh, from OSU. Um, anyway, a lot, of, a lot of connections still there. A lot of connections still there. Uh, we have a big Monday game tonight between Texas Tech and Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse, 8 o'clock on ESPN. The Thunder plays tonight. Uh, Billy Donovan and the Bulls, they're 28-16, Oklahoma City 14-32 after losing to Cleveland 94-87 over the weekend, uh, 7 o'clock tonight, Bally Sports, Oklahoma for the Thunder and uh, the Bulls. Billy Donovan. Did you know the court at Florida is named after Billy Donovan? I did know that, yeah. I mean, he was uh, he was huge. They loved him there. He's still so what he can't be much older than 60, right? He's got to be still in his 50s. 
I would think Billy Donovan is like 61, maybe, or okay. so. Let's I'll, put the I'll over and under. Are you putting the over and under at 60? I'm going to go 61. Okay, I'm going to take the under. Uh, he was Let's at Providence see. in like 86, I believe. 56. Really? Yeah. What? 56 years old. Wow. I thought that he was playing. Okay, well. I was wrong. I guess it makes sense that they would name the court after him. He was there for 20 years. He won back-to-back national championships. But still, generally, that's a thing you do for a guy after he passes or something like that. Yeah, and those guys... Or once he's good and retired, not still coaching somewhere else. They had uh, Al Horford, Corey Brewer... Uh, Joe Kim Noah, obviously, were the were the trio that helped lead them. But yeah, that, those were incredible uh, Florida teams back in the day, no doubt about it. And, um, what, and what was remarkable about that Florida team too was after they won the first national title, all those guys could have gone pro. Yeah, and they all got together and decided, you know what, we're going to come back and do it again and run it back and win another ship, and they did. Yes, they did. No doubt about it. Al Horford has been the best NBA player. I mean, uh, Noah and uh, Brewer obviously uh, got their time in the NBA as well. But uh, I think that Al Horford has been the best of the trio in the NBA. All right, that wraps hour number one. Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We have another hour to go. A lot of Sooner football to talk about in our first segment. Man, Jenny Baranchek and the OU women, they couldn't stop Ioka Lee yesterday. 61 points as K-State beat the Sooner women 94-65. Nevertheless, the OU women still 15-3, and 5-2 overall, but a record-setting day for Ioka Lee in the win in Manhattan yesterday against the OU women. All right, Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Keep them rolling in, 405-651-3439. We'll get to a lot of them next hour. Stay with us here, Steel Man and Thune, Monday on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Hour number two here on a Monday. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I was able to do some double duty over the weekend, Parker. I was able to get all seven episodes of Ozark Season 4 in while watching the NFL games. The NFL games on my phone right there. Boom. I could see everything. And right behind them, I was able to watch all of the first half of Season 4 of Ozark. My, My jaw dropped. Like, that's some pretty impressive multitasking. Well, you know, uh, for an old man, I can multitask a little bit. The Um, hand-eye coordination, the concentration, like, the sheer brain power that goes into watching two different things at the exact same time, Mm -hmm. that puts you in pretty elite company. Well, thank you. I can't can't do that. I can't do that. Uh, Have you watched Ozark? Uh, at all on Netflix? No, I have not. Uh, I know you don't have a lot of time on your hands, but if you do, get some. It's excellent. Really, really good. And uh, so I got all seven episodes in, and there are seven more episodes to follow. They've kind of broken up season four. And yes, there is a big cliffhanger, as you would expect, but it is really, 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 really good. Will not disappoint you. Excellent stuff. Uh, so, yeah, Ozark was great, and the NFL stuff was really good, too. Really good. All right, the news of the day, though, Parker Thune, is the Sooners have a new quarterback in the 2023 class who committed uh, just over an hour ago, right? And fill us in. Jackson Arnold, four-star out of Denton Geyer High School in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. 
Now, we touched on it a little bit last hour, but Arnold is a guy with a really, really high ceiling physically. He's got mobility in the pocket. He's a gamer. He can push the ball downfield. He's accurate, throws a tight ball. And he came very, very close, Mike, to winning a state championship this past year. And Geyer was a heavy underdog in that game against Austin Westlake, which, of course, had five-star Clemson signee Cade Klubnick playing quarterback for them. Westlake had Jaden Greathouse. They've got Colton Vosick, who's going to be a blue chip on the defensive line. That was a star-studded Westlake team. And Geyer went toe-to-toe with them for about 40 of the 48 minutes of football that were played that day at AT AT&T Stadium. And a lot of it was due to the efforts of one Jackson Arnold. So he is regarded as the number 72 overall player, and I believe the number 10 quarterback in the uh, 24-7 sports composite rankings. So big get for Oklahoma. And as I mentioned at the end of last hour, this is huge not just because Arnold is a talented quarterback, but it's huge because... As a program, it benefits you immensely to lock down a quarterback early in the cycle because naturally there are going to be programs vying for the commitments of guys like Arch Manning well into the fall. And whatever program ends up with somebody like Arch Manning is going to be thrilled in their quarterback of the future. But to get your guy locked down in the month of January as opposed to September, October, November – gives you a chance to do a lot better skill position recruiting around him because other players are going to gravitate towards the quarterback. In most every case, Mike, the quarterback is the guy that holds a class together. He is himself the nucleus, and that's what OU is looking for Jackson Arnold to be. That's what they had in Caleb Williams, right? I mean, he was the Sooner Summit guy, and, uh, well, now he's summiting elsewhere, all over the country, apparently. All right, um, so what was I going to ask you about? I'm just drawing a blank all of a sudden. But uh, Jackson Arnold, 2023 quarterback, four-star, Denton Geyer, 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, How would you compare him with Nick Ebers, the 2022 Sooner commit? I think Arnold's ceiling is higher. It's hard. That's going to be a really intriguing competition because the leg up that Ebers is going to have – is that he's going to have an extra year at his disposal as a 2022 guy to learn Levy's, Levy's offense and grow underneath some of the established veterans in that room, like Dylan Gabriel and like somebody like Jackson Dart, for instance, if the Sooners make another addition via the portal. So Evers will have the leg up in that regard, but I think Arnold's ceiling is higher. So that will be an intriguing battle. It The job doesn't always go to the guy with the higher ceiling naturally. But I do think that there's going to come a point in time at which Jackson Arnold is the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. And when that time comes, that's a dude that's going to put up numbers in Jeff Levy's offense. All right. uh, What did you think of uh, Luke has committing to Arkansas, the Bixby tied in? You know what? There was, (laughs) it was kind of the prevailing belief as soon as he decommitted from Oklahoma that Arkansas was going to be the spot. And Arkansas was a player from the get-go for Has. He has a lot of family ties to that university. And being in Tulsa, or the Tulsa area as he is, it's virtually equidistant from Tulsa to Fayetteville and Norman. So OU really didn't have much of a hometown pull because 
you can just as easily head up to Fayetteville from Tulsa as you can head down to Norman. So uh, not a huge surprise there. Oklahoma's got a couple other guys that they're zeroing in on at the tight end position in the class of 2023. So we will see what becomes of that. But, you know, it it always hurts to see a guy that was once committed go elsewhere, particularly to a school like Arkansas that Oklahoma really hasn't had to worry about on the recruiting trail over the last several years. But the reality of the situation is that Sam Pittman's got some juice up there in Fayetteville. Doing a great and job, no doubt. He is recruiting well. He will continue to recruit well. And that program is on the verge of doing some big things. I think they could win double-digit games next year. I'm trying to think of uh, really good players from Oklahoma that went to Arkansas. Quinn Grovey, the quarterback from Duncan. You had Felix Jones, who was uh, Darren McFadden's uh, kind of understudy, but he got a ton of carries, obviously, from the Tulsa area. Uh, so Arkansas has gotten uh, gotten a few uh, Oklahoma kids, and the Sooners have done very well in Arkansas. When you think about who they've been able to pull out that state, first one that comes to mind would be Keith Jackson. They got Eric Mitchell back in the day in the 80s, two of the absolute best uh, prospects in America during that time period. All right, so you were at the coaches' convention, and the Sooner staff shows up, and it's clear that the new Oklahoma staff, this regime – is trying to build a fence around the state of Oklahoma, much more than the Mule Shoe Administration, where the border was not protected at all. Uh, but this seems to be a real emphasis for Brent Venables and his staff, right? Mm-hmm. I'm resisting the urge to make a political analogy. Um, yeah, you could get in trouble <laughs> for that. You're right. My bad. Just better not to touch that with the 10 I football. heard you, Staley. Yeah, it's, I'm just making an analogy, so, so, a really bad one, okay? That's right. Brent Vanables is the new Donald Trump. <laughs> he going to be the Donald Trump of the University of Oklahoma. No, but th- the reality is, and it's very evident from the early offers that this staff has made, and we've talked about it, if there is a player within state lines that is good enough to play Power 5 football, Oklahoma is going to offer him and they're going to pursue him very heavily. There's no guarantee that they get everybody, right? Because I think there's this misconception that everybody that grows up in the state of Oklahoma wants to be a Sooner one day. And it's a travesty and inexcusable if the Sooners don't reel that guy in. There are, not the case. Some, uh, there, there are some kids who grow up Cowboy fans in the state of Oklahoma, uh, believe as, it or not. As astonishing as that may be, yes. that is true. And, and Oklahoma State's got a really good program going. I, I was talking to a guy that will likely be a blue-chip recruit in a future class. I'm not going to name names, but I was talking to a guy over the weekend that plays his prep football in the state of Oklahoma, Mike, and he grew up rooting for Ole Miss. Ole Miss. So that just goes to show you, not everybody in the state of Oklahoma wants to be a Sooner. And some of these guys you won't have to work very hard to get. Some you will have to work a lot harder to keep within the Sooner state. But at the end of the day, that is going to be a priority for this staff because OUDNA is so – the compilation of OUDNA in the program right now is abundantly clear. And very conspicuous. And you see that in the addition of Phil Lodeholt, mm-hmm. for instance. Yep. And you see that in the fact that the Sooners brought back Jeff Levy, who is an OU alumnus. Brandon Hall 
is an OU grad as well. So throughout the coaching staff, you have a bunch of guys who have been around the block in Norman before, and there there will be more additions to the staff with connections to the University of Oklahoma. I'll just I'll tip that off right now. But given the reality that Oklahoma has not won a national title in over two decades at this point. I think that the mission for this staff, the overarching mission of their regime, is to bring Oklahoma football back to its roots. And that's not to say that the program has been headed in the wrong direction over the second half of Bob Stoops' tenure or over Muleshoe's five years at the helm. But that is to say that a drought like this is uncommon at somewhere like the University of Oklahoma. And you got to bring things full circle and recapture and re embrace the same philosophies that brought you your last national championship if you're going to ascend to the pedestal of college football once again. Yeah, and somebody telling me, well, uh, the Sooners, you know, in their glory days, it was all Oklahoma and Texas kids. And it, it was a lot. Uh, Barry Switzer was one of the first coaches out there to really recruit the African-American athlete and had a great rapport with the uh, African-American athletes. And it took Texas a long time to come around to that. I mean, I think it was it was it Roosevelt Leaks who was the first one for Texas, the first uh, African American recruit. I'm trying to remember the Sooners had Prentice Scott back in the uh, Bud days, but uh, you know, and and that gave the Sooners a huge edge. But they also, you know, they had Elvis Peacock from Florida and they had Jamel Holloway from California and Steve Sewell from California. I mean, they went out and recruited kids from other parts uh, of the country. Marcus Dupree from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Uh, but uh, most of it was uh, Oklahoma and Texas, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I, I just like – what happened was you got some tech DNA mixed in with the OU DNA, and that messed up the gene pool. Mm, that's some defective DNA, huh, Mike? It is, no doubt about it. Tech DNA is vastly inferior to, uh, to Oklahoma DNA, no doubt. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. Oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. We're coming right back here on The Ref. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, here on a Monday. How we doing? Everybody good? Have a good weekend. Uh, Ronnie on Twitter asking me this question. I like this question. In fact, I was actually thinking about this question for today. So thank you, Ronnie. Thank you very much. Uh, Steely Parker, give me some names that maybe aren't being talked about a lot that you think could really develop into players for the Sooners next fall. You want to give me a couple? Develop. So like, we're talk- are we tra- talking about younger guys? Yeah, Is that what the- about – because I'm thinking about a guy like maybe Clayton Smith. Everybody's talking about, uh, you know, Danny Stutzman and Ethan Downs, and they got to play a lot. But what about a guy like, uh, I don't know, Clayton Smith, maybe Jalil Farouk, Jordan Mukes, somebody like that? I think Farouk has really exciting potential. He would probably be the guy that I put at the top of that list. I'm interested to see how he gels – with Dylan Gabriel because Caleb Williams was Farouk's quarterback, right? Those two go back to grade school together. So I'm not sure what his comfort level will will be with Gabriel, but 
to me, Farouk and Marvin Mims, getting those two the ball regularly and getting them the ball in space at that is going to be key for this Oklahoma offense. And then listen, three guys, three freshmen that I've been touting for a long, long time that I think could emerge as big-time players for the Sooners as early as 2022. One is Robert Spears Jennings, six foot two, 190-pound safety out of Broken Arrow. That dude is a baller, and he hits hard. He flies around. I love his ceiling. I tell you what, two guys that I have heard really outstanding returns on thus far since they've been in the program are, again, two guys that I've been talking about for a long, long time. Jaron Kanak. Javante Barnes. Javante Barnes. Yeah, yeah. Javante Barnes, man. Apparently they've been doing really good in the early workouts. Make no mistake. And look, it's not surprising to learn that Jaron Kanak is blowing everybody away. Right. right? That's just the type of athlete he is. He's a sprint champ. Javante Barnes is going to see the field a lot as a true freshman. Bank on that. That will be a dude that factors very significantly into the running back committee at Oklahoma. And I don't know how much of a committee it's going to be versus years past. But then again, you look at the way that this backfield is shaping up at the moment, and you really don't get the sense that there's a bell cow in that group. Eric Gray is not going to be handling 25 carries a game. Marcus Major isn't going to be unless... Schmitty turns him into this all-world superstar that we haven't seen thus far throughout his first four seasons in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm not saying Javante Barnes is going to be that guy that gets 200, 250 carries in 2022, but man, I would be surprised if he isn't getting double-digit touches. And Gavin Sawchuck, is he here yet? He's not, right? Gavin Sawchuk is not here. Yeah, yet. that's right. So, so Javante Barnes will have be a chance a, to get a little bit ahead, obviously, that's, there. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I've said it before. I think Javante Barnes could be the most productive freshman running back that Oklahoma has had since Trey Sermon in 2017. Mm, that's that's pretty impressive right there. So, uh, what about an older guy maybe that's been around and now that – because some of those defensive linemen, like, it was it Marcus Stripling who had a great game in the Alamo Bowl, right? That's right. And because you didn't have Perry on Winfrey, you didn't have Isaiah Thomas, and you didn't have Nick Benito. Uh, and they've got guys coming in through the portal, too. But any of those guys, Reggie Grimes, Marcus Str- is Grimes, uh, I'm trying to think what class he was, but Stripling's got a year, right? Stripling, oh, no, Stripling has two. He's got three years if he three. wants because I'm pretty sure he redshirted in 2019. That's right. 2020 didn't count, so this was his first year eligibility that he actually used. So Strip can be around for a minute. And Grimes is to. only and, a sophomore, correct? Yeah, so Grimes has three years as well. Man, I am really high on Grimes just in terms of his physical makeup. Uh, I, Marcus Stripling isn't as physically impressive, but man, that guy can get after the quarterback. And I'm not sure. And I, I remember in 2020 just raving over Marcus Stripling in the sporadic playing time that he saw and just – seeing the way that he pursued and the plays that he made in very, very limited snaps. That's a guy that has always had elite potential. He's just never really had an opportunity to showcase it, being stuck behind Nick Benito on one side and Isaiah Thomas on the other, which is understandable. You're talking about two guys that are going to be day two picks at the very latest in the NFL draft. But Stripling's a guy 
that has always had the ability to be a big-time impact, all-Big 12 type of player at Oklahoma. I'm interested to see if he can kind of come into his own in 2022 now that Benito and Thomas have cleared out. And then you look at uh, what the Sooners have, you know, in Danny Stutzman and Ethan Downs. And uh, Danny Stutzman, you know, you might have your next Teddy Lehman. And uh, Ethan Downs, you might have your next, like, Dan Cody there. Uh, and then you add Kobe McKenzie. They've got Deshaun White coming back. Jaron Kanak. I mean, they have a chance to be really hey, good. Hey, don't, don't forget Ted Roof's kid. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Old TD. TD. TD Roof. But uh, he, needs to, he needs to get a uh, a goal line vulture carry as a fullback once this year so we can have a TD TD. I'd love it. I'd love it. Absolutely. So, But they have a chance to have some – if these kids pan out and as good as they can run and as tough as they are and as much as they love to hit people – They've got a chance to be really good at linebacker. I mean, really Shocking, good. right, that a Brent Venables team would have a really, really high-ceiling linebacker room mm-hmm. full of incredible athletes. Yeah, that's that group is going to be fearsome very soon. I mean, Sutzman is already a legend on campus pretty much. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, basically. He's, he's arguably the most popular player among that fan base <laughs> now that Caleb Williams yeah, is. yeah. And Jaron Kanak was a great get, obviously originally committed to Clemson, and this guy can run and he can hit, and he's a great all-around athlete. You saw what he did on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, look, I know everybody's got the huddle highlights and it's going to look great, but there was – what was the video that was connected, ran over like seven guys on his way to the end zone? I mean, it literally looked like something like the Incredible Hulk would do. Yes. Carrying look, the football. I – I never watched Jaron Kanak in person. I've only spoken to people in the state of Kansas, uh, people who I trust very much, that have seen him in person. Like based on the tape, Jaron Kanak is one of the more impressive football players I've seen. His tape is some of the most impressive I've seen. But everybody that has witnessed that guy in person is blown away by his ability on both sides of the ball. And it is very rare, per everything I've been told, that you come across a guy who has that combination of natural physique and just sheer speed. Make no mistake, Jaron Kanak's going to be one of the fastest players in that locker room at the University of Oklahoma. And it's not often you can say that about a linebacker. Oklahoma's got two of them in Jaron Kanak and Shane Winter. That, or Shane Witter, excuse me, that could very realistically be considered two of the five or six fastest players on the football team. Yeah, that's impressive. And uh, Shane Witter has two years left, correct? Uh, I believe. Richard no, Sumner? he's have he he'd have uh, three years. With he yeah, was a I true always, freshman. I always forget about the so. yeah the last year. Uh, they've got the extra year. So, yeah, I think Oklahoma has a chance. I- I'm trying to think of – I mean, Boz had good speed, obviously. Uh, Teddy had tremendous speed. You know, that's when they offered well, Teddy I mean, when he went to the camp. I mean – But Kanak is on a different level. No, the comparison I'm hearing for Kanak is our own Teddy Lehman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Time and time again. And uh, Rod Schultz back in the uh, 70s, 73 through well, – 72 through 74, I believe it was for Schultz, had great speed sideline to sideline, ended up being a great player as well. Rod showed out of Spyro, Oklahoma, who was uh, spent some time in the National Football League, also one of the great linebackers at OU that really uh, should be mentioned a lot more because he was tremendous. All right. Um, 
is there there was some uh, portal stuff. What are you expecting for OU? Jackson Dart still out there. Michael Trigg still out there. The kid from TCU still out there. I have no expectations at this point, Mike. I'm kind of just the point where I have acknowledged that no one knows exactly what is going on with that situation. And I am just kind of content to ride it out just until I get a credible update or until one or both of those two decide to pull the trigger. Uh, Devin Campbell still announcing February 3rd? That is correct. OU Texas. I feel good about OU, man. I feel good about OU in that battle. Sark has taken a lot of transfers, too, isn't he? I know. How many spots does Texas have? I have no idea, man. Because they signed 28. They signed 28 in the 2022 cycle, and then you add all those transfers on top of it? I don't know. I, I don't know if they're fudging the numbers. I don't know if they're processing guys, as it were, but it's a lot of new faces in that Texas locker room come next year. Did you see that uh, Mule Shoe turned his comments back on and got destroyed again? No, it's gonna ha- it's gonna happen on right? Twitter. I, it, I mean, it will never end. No, 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 no. But I, you know, because he turned them off for a while, and I don't know if they were on because it was a USC tweet. But he put out the victory emoji, and the comments were on, and here they came immediately right after him. There were a couple guys that were in there. Come on, guys. It's time to move on. Let's get past this. Okay. And all the USC fans were in there making fun of the OU fans. Oh, yeah. Being- and they always flash 55-19, you know, the SI cover and all that stuff. And USC does have a winning record against OU. That's one of the powerhouse schools that uh, has had uh, – I think it's like – I think USC is like 5-3 and three, or maybe maybe it's 8-5. and five. I'd have to go to Winsipedia, but USC has the edge. I know that. Winsipedia is such a convenient little tool. It, it is. Yeah, it is very convenient. It's, it's a good idea. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We'll head there when we get back. Get those texts rolling in. We'll get to as many as we can here on the Riff. All right, shout-out to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group right there in Paul's Valley. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Heck of a deal. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Uh, Parker, you tell me uh, when you're ready to go to the Air Comfort Solutions uh, Solutions. Text line, and we will go there. SC, five wins. Oklahoma, two wins, one tie. So there you go. In the series. That is the series record. Well, got to put together a uh, non-conference home-and-home for OU and USC, right? Of course, with how far out these things are scheduled, there's probably no chance that Muleshoe's still going to be on the sidelines at USC if and when those two teams ever were to meet in non-conference play. So Muleshoe might have to go uh, travel around Norman in like the Pope Mobile, though, you know, because people <laughs> might be throwing things at him. Okay, let's head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line and see what uh, see what we got. One listener says, if Arnold leaves Denton today. He can probably get through traffic and be in Norman for the start of the 2023 fall semester. (laughs) That's right. That traffic can be brutal there, man. Absolutely brutal. 
Steely, any chance Farouk is a spy for Muleshoe who will transfer to be with Caleb Williams after learning Lebby's system? I wouldn't put anything past that weasel. No, absolutely. I don't think so. But uh, with that man, he's very devious. He's very devious, cannot be trusted. I think he's probably, uh, you know, if he were not in football, he might be in, um, you know, spying for the Russians or something. Who knows? He's very devious. By the way, it appears we have our uh, our new hashtag for the 2023 class. It's official? Oklahoma. Yeah. It's okay. A, it's, hashtag, it's hashtag chosen with the two and the three representing the S and E and chosen. Yeah. So one okay. of our listeners wanted to ask, what does CHO23N mean? Uh, there you go. It's That's your, it. uh it's apparently your new uh, hashtag for the 2023 signing class at Oklahoma. There you go, man. I'm telling you so much. Well, look, it's still you got to go out and do the legwork and uh, in-home visits, and the kids have to come to campus, obviously all of that. But, man, social media plays such a big role in, uh, in all of this as well. I mean, it's, it's not the most important thing, but it's pretty darn important. One listener says, we're looking like the king of four-star players. Will we land a five-star? I mean, look, I think there's a decent chance you'll have one committed next week. Committed and signed at that because I, I feel good about OU and Devin Campbell. I'm maintaining a guarded sense of optimism there. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but <laughs> OU is more than in that thing. OU is more than in that battle. It's down. It's OU in Texas, right? And uh, February third. Yeah, that it, decision's the, coming down. Kind of the foregone conclusion for a long time was that he was going to end up at Texas, and I, I really don't think that's the case. I, the way I look at it, Mike, if he were going to commit to Texas, if he was convinced that Texas was the place for him, especially with all the people around him purportedly pushing him that direction. Well, he would have committed to Texas and signed during the early signing period in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To me, and this is me reading the tea leaves, I think Devin Campbell's going to end up at OU. That's my thought about the whole ordeal. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm not talking based on inside information or intel that I've gleaned. I'm just saying, based on the optics and based on what the tea leaves are telling me, I think Oklahoma fans should be optimistic about where that recruitment is headed. That would be huge for you, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, uh, you feel pretty confident that the Sooners might be getting a couple Cali kids pretty soon? Cali kids. <laughs> well. Maybe. Yeah, it's a strong maybe. I probably shouldn't say much else. Was uh, Muleshoe involved? Uh, Muleshoe was not involved. No. In terms of too late or uh, SC wasn't considered? Because I want to I want to break his heart in recruiting, too. Well, and I, I'm sure they'll try to do that. Um, by the way, this just came across my timeline. Sheesh. Arizona State just hired Brian Billick. What? As an offensive analyst oh, okay. and advisor to Herman Edwards. So you have Herm, Marvin Lewis, and Brian Billick all on the same staff at Arizona State. That's uh, Man, they're sitting around they're eating. Getting the, they're getting eating the whole cre- game together. They're from, eating cream corn and playing bingo in the coach's office, I think. That's an old staff right there. I know. Mid-2000s NFL head coaches all rendezvousing. 
Arizona State, Herm Edwards, weren't they like having recruits on campus during dead periods and stuff? They, didn't they do some stupid stuff? Like, really? They didn't even, you know, they were just having people visit when they weren't supposed to be visiting. So, who knows? That's crazy. <sighs> but, yeah, as far as far uh, as far as the recruiting game is concerned, you know, he's about to – they're about to land some kids – Mike from coast to coast. I'll just I'll just put it that way. Like which one will, will break Mule Shoe's heart? That's what I want to know. Are there a couple kids out there that will devastate the Trojan recruiting effort? I don't know if there are guys out there that will devastate the Trojan recruiting effort because you got to keep in mind Mule Shoe's already got Malachi Nelson. He's already got Makai Lemon. Mm. He's got Rayleigh Brown. So oh, yeah. his, all the guys his he nucleus had is there. It's it's all kind of gravy at this point for Muleshoe. Yeah. The anger's bubbling inside right now. I'm trying to suppress it. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, well, again, again, Mike. Talent mm-hmm. does not go nearly as far as culture. No, I I agree with that. Are they still doing uh, the kettlebell stuff there? Is USC still sending out the kettlebell workouts or whatever they're doing? CrossFit. I'm sure they are. I mean, I can't imagine Benny Wiley's regime has changed. Hmm. Okay, I won't say anything. I need to just be quiet. All right, Eric. Are Cooper you still in the Texas. first stage of grief I'm here? Still, yeah, I'm still there. Mike, I'm still there. Come I on, know. It's, it's been two months. I'm really trying. It's, it's been two months. That there hasn't been we gotta an, move on an effort point. to get there. I'm going to have to go lay down on the couch somewhere, and somebody's going to have to talk to me. Mike, if you need therapy, I'm sure the uh, fine folks here at KREF would be willing to help foot the bill. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's got to be that's got to be in your contract somewhere, right? Yeah, probably. I and I know it's ridiculous, and I know it's uh, it's not healthy. But anytime I still see a tweet or anything, I'm like, what? You know? And it just it's it's not healthy, kids. Kids, move on. Kids, will you move on? Don't even worry about it. Now, I'm not going to move on for a while. I'm just telling you. But I will catch up to you eventually. All right. Go hit your destination, Serenity. And hopefully I will pull into Serenity in maybe a year or so. There's another town I need to pass through. Is that acceptance? Or is that one of the late destinations? I don't know. Denial, let me, let, anger. Let me ask you this. What is it going to take for you to complete the grief cycle? What will be the moment or the event or the instance that completely removes your grief? And enables you to fully get over it. SC uh, going through a major earthquake with survivors, but the entire campus collapses and everybody survives. But the campus is pure rubble. So like a Pompeii type of situation? Yes, something like that, yes. I don't know if there's a volcano around anywhere near, but, you know, yeah. Probably something like that. I'm pretty sure that uh, we can engineer a volcano these days in 2022. <laughs> if you if you really wanted to have somebody, if you had the financial capabilities to make that, Elon happen. Musk could do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just so get get one of the BMDs to hit up Elon Musk and be like, "We need a volcano." <laughs> Big money. Hey, Wallace Marsh. Hey, is there any chance that we can create a volcano out there? We're gonna. How need- much would it cost? Yeah. 
Yeah, you got this, right? Okay, yeah. Now, I don't want any uh, serious injuries. We just want the campus to crumble. Can we do it like in a, a safe implosion, something like that? Vesuvius we could blame it on Lori Laughlin and toll. her kids. Vesuvius minus the death toll. There you go. That's right. That's right. That was a very dangerous Mount Vesuvius. was not very cool. Wasn't there a, like a just a, a Roman dude that was in full sprint and he was just – what would you call it? Like calcified or so? I don't know what it was. I don't know what the word is. I don't either. I just made one up, but he was like in full sprint. Son of a... And then he's just frozen in time like that. Anyway. All right. Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll keep getting back to it. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We got a lot more to talk about. We'll take more... We will take more of uh, your comments on the text line. We have Locked In coming up with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas. Teddy's out warming up, doing sprints, bench pressing about 280, 10, 12 times. He's coming up here in a little bit as well. Everybody, it's Monday here in the ref. Stay with us. All right, it is Monday. Great time to get over to Riverwind Casino, get that wild card out. And uh, go get some uh, points on your wild card and earn five times the entries for the uh, big-time drawing they have on Friday night. This will be the $80,000, again, uh, rocking and reeling giveaway on Friday night when I give away a big share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. Go get yours and have a better chance of winning your share by getting the extra entries for the drawing, and you do that by playing with your wild card today and tomorrow through midnight over at Riverwind Casino. And uh, they're also going to send you to the Super Bowl. If you can get the most points on a Gaming Capital Group-specific machines out there through January 29th, all right, you look for those specific machines, the Gaming Capital Group machines. There's signage all around those machines. The uh, Friendly folks at Riverwind will point you in the right direction. Use your wild card. Get as many points on that wild card as you can on those machines. And the uh, top five point getters will be winning trips to the Super Bowl. Airfare, uh, tickets to the game, hotel, ground transportation, plus $1,000 in cash. That's a heck of a deal. That is a heck of a deal. If you'd like to go see the uh, Super Bowl uh, and you think, man, there's no way I could go to the Super Bowl. That's a major expense. Well, Riverwind can send you there with the Super Points and Super Plays contest. That's why Riverwind is simply the best. Okay, Parker, if you had uh, your choice uh, of the Final Four, which pairing would you like to see most in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium? I don't want to see the Chiefs again for the third year in a row. Chiefs so I fatigue? Guess- Chiefs fatigue. Definite, definite Chiefs fatigue. I wanted the Bills to win last night. Yeah, I, really I, I did. did too. Bengals and Bills for a Super Bowl worth, berth. I mean, those are two programs that have never won a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm correct in saying that, right? Well, the, yeah, Bengals, Bengals, have, uh, the Bengals lost to the 49ers twice, right? Yeah, yes. they they, uh, they lost to that uh, the first Montana team, and then they lost again on the John Taylor touchdown catch. Um, that would have been a Sam Weish Bengals coach team, I think, back in the day. Maybe both. I'm yes, you're right. Uh, Sam Weish. Yep, Sam Weish. Um, so, yeah, and my only problem is I have Kansas City fatigue. I Look, I'm rooting for Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown and Blake Bell, all those guys. But I'm just a little bit tired of the Chiefs. My only issue with that, Parker, is would the Bengals be ready for prime time to go? I mean, playing. look, they're going to be playing in the AFC Championship this weekend, obviously. 
And uh, you would have won a couple really big games to get there, but I don't know. Um, I would. I want to see Matthew Stafford get his shot too. I want to see the Rams. The Rams be playing a de facto home game that really wouldn't be a home game, but I would love to see Matthew Stafford get his shot. I think for old times' sake, I would love to see the Niners and Bengals. Yeah, right, because another one uh, round three me- memories associated with those two programs uh, for a lot of folks that have watched years and years of NFL football going back to the like you mentioned the Montana Jerry Rice John Taylor days for. The Niners and then the Boomer Esiason days for the Bengals. So I I want to see the Bengals knock off the Chiefs. And heck, they beat the Chiefs at the end of the regular season. They did. So it was a home game, but yes, they did. They they beat uh Kansas City, no doubt. And Kansas City, you know, that was late in the year. Was that the second to last regular season game? Yes, I it think? was. Week seventeen, because I was in a fantasy football championship that weekend and it, <laughs> the team I ended up playing against had both Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Oh, so man. that did not go well. But man. I, I would be just fine with seeing the Niners. I would be just fine with seeing the Rams because Matthew Stafford is a guy that Obviously, it sucked for me to see my Bucks lose yesterday, but I'm happy for Matthew Stafford because the situation that he was mired in up in Detroit for oh, 12 yeah. years, mm-hmm. he deserved so much better than the hand he was dealt, and it's refreshing to see him lead the Rams to the brink of a Super Bowl berth. Detroit retired Barry Sanders and Megatron. That's how tough it is before they should have retired, oh, right? Calvin Johnson could still be playing football and still be the best wide receiver in the NFL. He was unbelievable. There's no doubt about it. You so, know, and you know what's crazy to think, by the way? I was thinking about this the other day. Calvin Johnson played a Hall of Fame caliber career and was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame in the same span of time that Tom Brady has won his last four Super Like Tom Brady had three Super Bowls to his name, before Calvin Johnson played a down of NFL football. That's and in amazing. that time, Calvin Johnson has played an entire career and been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and Tom Brady's still kicking at age 44. Uh, Teddy can Context. tell you all about uh, Megatron. He was there in Detroit when uh, Calvin Johnson was there. All Calvin right. Johnson, for my money, might be the most dominant individual football player I've ever watched. I would probably go Lawrence Taylor myself, but he's in the conversation. Jim Brown's in that conversation. Um, you know, I, I guess you could say Barry Sanders, obviously. Now, again, um, they went to they won one playoff game, I think it was, during Band- Barry Sanders' tenure there, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go ahead and Google it up. But um, Calvin Johnson definitely in that conversation, at least for a uh, you know as it was a brief career, but obviously a great career. <laughs> for uh, Calvin Johnson. All right, we've got Tech and Kansas tonight at the Fog. What do you think? KU hold serve tonight, you would think? I don't know. That's kind of a toss-up. Tech's been better than I expected. I didn't think the program would fall off the face of the earth with Chris Beard going to Austin, but, man. Are they better this year without Beard they, than they were last they year look with pretty him? good. And, look, uh, Texas, I think, has been uh, – you know, they beat Oklahoma State over the weekend, 56-51. But how about TCU winning at Iowa State over the weekend, by the way? TCU can play some basketball. That's a program It's a program that's headed on the fast track for the NCAA tournament, which is pretty impressive considering that historically TCU has been one of the worst basketball programs in the Power Five, a program that has not had a whole lot of success in the sport of basketball. Have they, have they won a tournament? They, they have won one tournament game, haven't they? 
Uh, I believe they have. Billy Tubbs was there for a while. Billy did a really good job. He had Kurt Thomas, who led the uh, country in scoring and rebounding. They had, um, I think, Lee Nalen ended up there, and uh, it was good. They they were good. Jim Killingsworth back in the day, and the, the Frogs are all right. Jamie Dixon's done a pretty good job though this year. They've been uh, they've got Charles O'Bannon Jr. there, and he hit the big three against Oklahoma. But uh, yeah, Iowa State's now two and five along with Oklahoma in the league. All right, we've got Locked In coming up next with Parker and Tyler McComas. Everybody, have a great rest of your Monday. We will see you back here. Guess what time? Steel Man and Thune at noon. Take care.